Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, Mm -hmm. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Boring stuff, right? Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different for Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers to do that, or she can do both. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audio book. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audio book is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family's a little bit different, and in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house. And when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen. So I chased you around the yard. And when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. 
The entire process with my life in a book is simple. And in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that of a sexual nature and should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or for some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Straight line, shackle chain. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Wrangle the Three.
Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Bloody Angola, a podcast 142 years in the making, the complete story of America's bloodiest prison. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. We got a good one for y'all today, and this is, uh, you know, I can't tell you the amount of messages we have from people asking that we do an episode on the most profile, how would you say that, Prolific. 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 I'm going to say prophylactic. <laughs> the most prophylactic <laughs> the, the, the electric most, chair. The most Trojan electric chair. Yeah. <laughs> In history, and that is Gruesome Gertie. That's G-E-R-T-I-E, y'all. That's it. And uh, so we're going to talk all about that. we got a couple of interesting stories in particular to tell on Gruesome Gertie that you may not be familiar with. The electric chair, which was named Gruesome Gertie, became... The former execution started on June 1st, 1941. And prior to that, y'all, hanging was the former execution in the state of Louisiana East. And that blew my mind that hanging was used all the way up to 1941. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it would have been outlawed, I guess, before that. Yeah. But they were, you know, up until night, March 7th of you, 1941. You tie, you tie back into the South's history of lynchings and stuff like that. You, you, but... The when electricity, when they realize, hey, hmm, this is a pretty what they thought efficient way of killing people. So they, I don't know how the hell you figure out, and we're going to swap from hanging to using like electrical current to kill somebody, but they did. Okay, so we're going to tell you all about the story of the last hanging to take place. It actually took place on March seventh of nineteen forty one, and what do you kind of bring us up to speed on? Right. On that. So what happened, there's a prison in Arkansas, not far, about 150 miles from Caldwell Parish, um, which is where the last hanging took place. And there was a violent prison outbreak and um, shootouts. And, and ultimately, the Louisiana lawmen captured the guys that escaped. Yeah, so they captured them. And on March 7th, 1941, it was their execution day. And back then, it was basically just what you picture, the gallows, yeah. the, these trap doors that they had built, these structures that were made of wood, and they would walk the guys out. And, you know, just like you would picture on any Western movie, right. essentially, they would walk them out, and they would, they would release that contraption that dropped that trap door, and right. Man, snapping necks. And their legs were tied so they wouldn't flail too much. Uh, arms were t- tied behind their back, and you know, they would have a bag over their head. That's because in past hangings, the eyeballs actually popped out. But oh. y'all got to remember, these were public executions. Okay, These weren't behind prison walls. They did, It was a public spectacle. All the citizens came. Hey, it was almost like a party, right? And, and they'd bring them out. And also, the, the way the hangings work, they weighed the, the prisoners or the, the the condemned, and they'll have sandbags that would drop when they do the door so that, that it's the counterweight that actually when the bag falls, they fall through, and it's, that makes it snap in the neck. Wow. Yeah. yeah, there's no coming back from that. Nope. And, and probably not a really good way to go. No, I, I wouldn't imagine and, it and, would And be. some of them would get decapitated. It would rip their whole head off. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Imagine that, but you got a little JoJo on your knee eating some popcorn watching. (laughs) Yeah, and that's what they do. I mean, that was like, you know, the state fair now. Everybody went to the the hangings. 
it's crazy just to think that wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Some people yeah. have relatives still alive from right. 1941. Right. My mom and dad. Yeah. Four guys, and they got uh, they got the hanging via the gallows on March 7th, 1941. And at that point, Angola started instituting the electric chair. Now, there's something I want to I want to bring up a point here, and that is. Louisiana was one of the very last states in the country to use electrocution as their form of execution. As a matter of fact, most of your states did that in the 20s and early 30s. Right. Louisiana liked to hang you. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way to put it. it. There was only one other uh, state, and that was West Virginia, that was after Louisiana. Wow, that's crazy. So, the, but you know, um, when they started, y'all, it, there was no execution chamber in Angola, right? So, gruesome girded the electric chair. They actually traveled from parish to parish on the back of a truck with, with this big ass generator in the chair. Whatever parish you committed your murder, your crime in that you got sentenced for, they they brought you to the courthouse square or the jail of the parish, and that's where they executed you. The first public execution was actually right here in Livingston Parish. Livingston Parish. How about that? Y'all have heard about Livingston Parish through real life, real crime. That was the very first parish to have an an execution via electrocution. And as Woody said, they would bring this chair around on the back of a truck and they'd basically bring it to a courthouse or a jail and that's where it would be carried out. Wherever it happened and there the citizens felt like they got justice and they got to see it. We're going to tell the story of Eugene Johnson but before that, Woody, I want you to, Woody's actually sat in the chair. I did. I I sat in the chair when it wasn't in use anymore. Uh, I was probably a young teenager and went to tour Angola and my mom knew the, um, I think it was the Butler's, whoever's house it was on the B line, they didn't have storage for the chair when they took it out of um, use. They stored it in this warden's garage, mm-hmm. and I got to sit in it. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, kind of look spooky, but cool. It's wood, it has a high straight back, has the arms out, kind of like my polygraph chairs do. Uh, um, with the straps on it and the the metal thing that they would use with the wire that came in, they put on the head and they put a sponge put on a sponge that. on the to could um, make the electricity more conducive. They would wet the sponge, put it on there, <laughs> strap it down, oh and light it up, throw the switch. Now y'all put put yourself in that place of of a condemned person. And, you, you know, I don't care how tough you are, how strong you are, when you sit down in that wooden chair and you know you're going to about to have about 3,000 volts jetting through your body, and they take that sponge and they wet it because, hey, we want to make That's sure that make sure we get the juice. Yeah. Literally, you get the juice. Yeah. You can ride that lightning. <laughs> yeah. We're going to make sure it has a place to go. Yeah. And they stick it on your head and that water's running down yeah. your face. And then they take that thing. And not only do they stick that helmet deal on your head, but then they Screw tighten it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And they pull them straps tight. Yeah, that way. Uh, uh, yeah. You, you were strapped down everywhere in your body that you could be. Uh, so, and that uh, – 
tin hat, I guess you would call it. Let's tell the story of Eugene Johnson. Yes. And to tell you that story, we told you that that execution took place in Livingston Parish, and that's kind of where that story starts. A farmer in Livingston Parish by the name of Steve Bench. Mr. Bench. Mr. Bench. Yeah, yeah well, look, Mr. Bench had he's, he's pretty wealthy. Now, he's a farmer. He, he acquired a lot of money and other property during his lifetime, which he kept at his home. Back then, a lot of people did that. It was after the bank crashes in the 20s, et cetera, and people didn't trust banks. They didn't trust banks. They kept everything with them. Kept it it with them. But, you know, a hardworking farmer who had some success, obviously, but he wasn't putting his shit in the local bank. No. Keeping it at his house. No, because back in the 20s after the crash, the issue was the banks couldn't give you right, your money right. back. That was before FDIC, y'all. What yeah. Do you, what do you yeah, there wasn't insured, no insured money. Yeah, yeah. So your shit got took, it just got took. So he would he would just stash this stuff at his house everywhere, and he was good at saving his money, and he had a ton of it at his house. It was kind of known that right. you know he had a good bit of money. And on the morning of November 23rd, 1940, he was found beaten to death lying on his floor by a neighbor. Yep, and, and so Steve Bench had been robbed, and the house was completely ransacked. And the police arrived, and they noticed a $100 bill lying on the floor in the bedroom. And they searched further, and they located $2,500 in savings bonds in a stove. Now, to have a $100 bill back then, yeah, that's, a, that's, that's like a $1,000 bill now or more. Or more. Yeah, but $2,500 in savings bonds, for you young listeners who don't know, you used to buy savings bonds for less than what the face value was, and they had to cure uh, maturity over time. Once they reach that maturity, then you can go in and cash it. And they found it in his stove. So he was trying to put it in a place where right. nobody, you know, maybe it was an old wood stove or something that right. he didn't use. And he, he hit it in there and it worked. They didn't find it. They beat, beat him to death, but they didn't find that 2,500 bucks right. in savings bonds. But they, they kept investigating it and they found that Mr. Bench had been robbed of several thousand dollars in currency of large denominations, which is a ton of money, y'all, in the 40s. Yeah, to put that into perspective, in 1940, y'all, an average home was only $3,000. A new car? That's crazy. 800 bucks? A gallon of gas, 18 cents 18 a gallon. 18 cents. That is crazy. So that tells you how much money that was. That was that was like finding $25,000 yeah, nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. And so what did they do? They organized a posse, <laughs> a true posse. Yes. Uh, was organized by the peace officers of Tangipahoa and Livingston Parish after they learned suspects were two black men, Eugene Johnson and Eddie Garrett. And they were seen escaping into the woods behind Mr. Bench's home. Yeah, so basically a neighbor or, or somebody that was paying attention saw at some point two men, two black men running out the back of this guy's house and escaping into the woods. Posse, here we go. Posse These up. guys got together. They started chasing and looking, and they actually found, shot, and killed Eddie Garrett and in the process, he dropped twenty four hundred dollars of money stolen from the deceased in the chase. Yeah, that would have bought you a house, right? That's, yeah. uh, that's crazy. But Eugene Johnson got away, and he ran in New Orleans, where he met Ashton Hurd, who later was found to be a third assailant of the deceased. 
So Johnson and Hurd are on the run, right? They they're in New Orleans. They got to figure out how to get out of there. The heat's on them. The posse's chasing the posse. them. So they go and they purchase a Dodge car with cash, and they haul ass to Houston, Texas. And they they actually had three other people with them that were friends of theirs, I guess. And they and they leave for Houston with money. But the problem for them was the posse was still hovering on their trail, and they tracked the group to Houston. And on January eighteenth, nineteen forty one, Livingston Parish Sheriff P. R. Irwin who served as a sheriff here, y'all, from 1940 to 48, uh, arrested Eugene, Eugene Johnson, who was alone at a hotel at the time. And when asked where his partner Ashton Hurd was, he led the posse to a bar in Houston where they made Hurd's arrest. Subsequently, Eugene Johnson was convicted and got executed via gruesome Gertie, the very First execution. This was at the Livingston Parish Jail oh, on office. September eleventh, nineteen hundred and forty-one. Now, I want you to note something. Note the length of time between the capture and the execution. Nine months. How long does it take now? Like nine hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> and he ain't kidding. Yeah, but. It, that's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. And y'all, my office, and that's an old old jail, which was an upstairs in the old now old courthouse. And my office, I had the, my own private office as a detective, um, where I did polygraphs and everything else, and interviews on murders and everything. And that's that very room where Eugene Johnson would have to come down to when they took him out and hooked him up to gruesome Gertie. Now, and this was the very first uh, execution in the state of Louisiana via electrocution. And so certainly they didn't have electricity mastered at that time. No, 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 no. And or, nor the execution method, right? And so I guarantee you this was the start of the policy and procedure manual because everything that's <laughs> in the policy procedure manual, wherever you work at, is in there because somebody fucked something up. Yeah, so so uh, just to, I found that very interesting just from the fact of not only the first execution, but the fact that it took place in Livingston Parish, which is something we do talk about often. Hey, well, I'm going to say this because this is in my mind's eye. Now, y'all, this wasn't inside the jail. Gruesome Gertie came to town on the back of a flatbed trailer with these big-ass generators, right, what's they ran electricity off of. I imagine that was quite the spectacle to see. Oh my God! Right? I mean, can you imagine this big old deuce and a half pulling up, big ass? And yeah, how big the generators had to be back then to make that electricity. Look, and back then you brought your kids. Oh, you brought. Every, I mean, hey, it, it was, was advertised. Yeah, I bet you it was nine months between the execution. I bet you they were advertising it at seven months before the execution. Right? You're gonna have growing pains when you start executing <laughs> people. People via Some, electricity. Somebody's gonna have some pains. Somebody's gonna have some pains and. Uh, Louisiana being no different, and they actually had a botched execution that took place on May 3rd of 1946. Yep. Tell us about that. Well, well, in 1944, Andrew Thomas, a pharmacist from St. Martinville, Louisiana, was shot and killed. And during the nine-month investigation, the evidence finally pointed to a former employee named Willie Francis, that he was a killer. Yeah, and at that time he was already detained in Texas. So this this uh, this murder took place 
the police started investigating and they found out or they suspected Willie Francis is the killer. They started looking for him, found out he was in Texas for an unrelated crime. These Louisiana officers traveled to Texas to interview him. You know, he tried to lie. He tried to basically say these other guys were involved, but he did something that Woody knows a little bit about, and that was he he got put under interrogation. He admitted to the murder and supplied two separate written murder confessions. Now, I know the execution was botched, but the... I can't imagine the interrogation techniques they used back then to get them to supply two different uh, murder <laughs> confessions. We can just assume, right? Because uh, um, certainly I wasn't there and Jim wasn't there, but I can guarantee you. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna and that. I do know he wasn't lawyered up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't even think they had Miranda back, back then. But, yeah. Uh, anyway, he gave not one, but two separate murder confessions. Then he was extradited back to Louisiana, where he led officers to the holster used to carry the murder weapon. And shortly thereafter, the police found the gun near the crime scene, which was stolen from a St. Martinville deputy sheriff, who at one point had threatened to kill Francis. Right. So Francis was no angel. Uh, y'all, and, and uh, you know, in my opinion, just seeing the evidence, he definitely did it. Right. Um, but he was no angel. He had a reputation. St. Martinville is a Cajun, Cajun, Cajun. Cajun community that at that time was very, very small. Right. So everybody knew, uh, everybody knew Willie Francis, right. and he did not have a good reputation. He was known as a troublemaker, known as a guy that was in and out of you know, issues with the police. And right. I, he actually stole the sheriff's, the deputy sheriff's gun. Right. And that was the gun that was actually used to kill the pharmacist, yeah. Andrew Thomas. And then, you know, let me go back for a second. When, when I say they, you know, by hook or crook, they got two confessions out of him. Um, even if you beat somebody in a confessional or whatever, he still brought them back to Louisiana and showed them where the holster was and, and the weapon was found nearby. So I'm not saying... Well, maybe they didn't beat him. I, I was just assuming that they probably did. But the, uh, either way, he showed them where the we- uh, weapon was. And they took him to trial, and the trial lasted a whole two days. And two days. Francis, who was 15 at the time of the murders, was quickly convicted. I bet he was. <laughs> get a rope, but yeah. that shit was out. And now, yeah. get Gertie. Get Gertie. He's better ride the lightning. So... On May 3rd, 1946, at the age of 17, Francis actually went to see Gruesome Gertie, sat down in it, and the first execution attempt failed. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah, right? So when the lever was flipped and Francis began screaming, take it off, take it off, let me breathe. As the expected lethal surge was applied. That's crazy. So, yeah, they they flip this lever. He starts screaming, and he's quoted as saying, take right. it off, take, take it, it off. off, let me breathe. Right. Um, and it didn't kill him. Didn't kill him. I shocked the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah, can only imagine. I want to sit here and, like, I'm, a, <laughs> I can't. I'm having all these, shake. these sickening thoughts in my mind, yeah. I guess you would say. So they took him off, y'all. I mean, they, it wasn't working. They kept trying to shock the shit out of him, trying to kill him. It was frying him, but it wasn't killing him. So they took him off, 
and they did an investigation. Yeah, what? What? I'm sure they're wondering why the what happened, right? right? right. So what happened? It was determined <laughs> after the investigation it was determined that, that the deputy that hooked Francis up and set up uh, Gertie was drunk as shit and had only partially hooked it up. <laughs> yeah, that's a true story, y'all. This this you can't make this deputy. Shit up was so smashed <laughs> that he, I don't know what he forgot to hook up, but he, uh, obviously he wasn't an electrician. <laughs> he, he, obviously. <laughs> and actually only partially hooked it up. So, uh, you know, if it's meant to deliver 2000 volts, it might've only been delivering 200. Right, right. So it was enough to just shot, you know, it was enough to make a scream, take it off, take it yeah. off. Let me breathe. But yeah. not enough to kill him. Not enough to kill him. And the deputy was shit based. And just, I mean, uh, you can't make that up. Pretty much sure he didn't have a job after that. Yeah, he probably got fired, I would imagine. So, this caused quite the uproar, as Mm -hmm. you can imagine, y'all. Attorneys got involved, went to court, and tried to get Francis's sentence commuted to life instead of a death sentence. And they tried to use the defense that was basically cruel and unusual punishment. They felt like he had been put through. And look, he had, (laughs) I mean, when you sit down in the chair and you think this is it, and then they they shock you for 20 minutes and you don't die, that's... They melt half of you. uh, Oh, my God. So he he basically took over that case, and they fought it in court. And it was, it was for back in those days, that was a court battle. It took a year uh, in the courts to decide that no, he's still getting executed. Uh, it is not cruel and unusual punishment. They've actually had books written about this yeah, case yeah. since then. It's it was really, a big really deal. You did a hell of a job researching that, Joe. So but we're going to. On, on May 9th, 1947, they finally uh, successfully completed the execution of Francis. So we're going to read the actual newspaper article from May 10th, 1947, the day after Willie Francis was executed and shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year there, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah. Well, have you tried Astro Pro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right. Astro Pro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? 
actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. The headline says, second trip to chair, Willie Francis dies. St. Martinville, Louisiana. Willie Francis made his second trip to the electric chair yesterday wearing his Sunday pants and his Sunday heart. The same chair which spared his life through a mechanical failure a year ago took it this time, took it quickly, and apparently painlessly. Electrocutioner Grady Jarrett threw the switch at 12.05 p.m. Central Standard Time and again at 12.06 and at 12.10. The Negro was pronounced dead. This newspaper article from 1947, that's what we wouldn't call it an african-american and a negro today uh but this was i mean this is a real newspaper article willie francis told me two days ago that he was gonna wear my sunday pants and my sunday heart to the chair ain't gonna wear no beat up pants to see the lord he said busy talking my way into heaven for the past year them folks expecting me to come in style oh lord willie, willie. willie paid the legal penalty for the killing of andrew thomas a white druggist of St. Martinville in a holdup that netted $14 and a watch. Thomas' brother, Claude, who was chief of police here at the time of the slaying, was among the witnesses yesterday. Francis went to the chair after a year argument over the right of Louisiana to attempt an execution a second time after a mechanical accident had prevented the first try. The fight went all the way to the United States Supreme Court, where the high justices divided five to four last January in a ruling against Francis. Only Thursday, the Supreme Court had turned down another plea, which Willie's lawyer had taken to Washington without knowledge of the condemned man. Francis walked his last half dozen steps on earth yesterday without a flicker of fear or apparent excitement. Twice, he wiped the palms of his brown hands against the legs of his dark pinstriped trousers. 
He caught my eye as the broad chest strap was being fixed and snapped me in a jaunty one-fingered salute. He said, hello, slightly, moving his lips exaggeratedly to shape the word. As the leg straps were being adjusted, he looked at his lap, closed his eyes, and then opened them and grinned at another witness. The fact that more than a score of whites were jammed into the smoky brick-walled room, a little larger than an indoor tennis table, didn't appear to affect him. And asked by the electrocutioner if he had anything to say before going, Willie said quietly, nothing at all. When the current hit him, two 1,700 volts. He took it without a tremor. So Willie Johnson gets executed for a second time yeah. in 1947. Yeah. He rode lightning out that time. Something interesting about that, and this is why this paper intrigued me so much, is they even named the executioner back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't that? do that nowadays. The there's so many different ways to do it now with the lethal injection. Nobody knows who it is who actually pushes the buttons. And I've heard they have uh, two sets of buttons. So, and, and it's two people that are unnamed. So they don't even know if they're administering placebo or not. But, but now you certainly not get a name as the, they, in the article, they didn't call him the executioner. They call him the electrocutioner. Yeah. Which I thought was that's a good point. That's pretty strange. Yeah, that is. So That's I a guess good point. They revamped the term over the years from the electrocutioner to executioner. Now, uh, this process, y'all, took place until 1957. So it was, it was basically another ten years since uh, Willie Francis got executed that uh, they eventually put gruesome guardian in goal and said, we need one place in order for these executions to take place up until that time, they were still driving from parish to parish, wherever you committed that crime. That's where you got executed now, obviously, or in 1957, it, it changed. And they said, well, we're going to have one place where we execute all these guys. And that'll be it. Angola. Actually was the red hat cell block. Yeah, that's right. One of our uh, famous episodes, Redhead Cell Block. Go back and listen to it. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Gruesome Gertie made its way to Angola in 1957. It was decided executions would now take place in Angola rather than traveling to individual parishes. And the last person executed in Angola via Gruesome Gertie was Andrew Lee Jones on July 22, 1991. Yeah, so since that time, Gruesome Gertie eventually, you know, it they thought it was a little bit in, in, inhumane. So they went from hanging to executions, and then they thought riding the lightning was a little bit too gruesome. Because people uh, challenged it, right, all over the United States. It didn't just start out in Louisiana before they put the moratorium on it uh, uh, as cruel and unusual. And that's when, after that was done, at some point I got to sit in it um, and that was before they swapped yeah. methods. Yeah, so they they moved to an, another method, and that was lethal injection in 1991. And they retired, gruesome Gertie, after claiming 87 souls. 
So 87 people were executed via that chair that Woody it, sat in. That's crazy. Does that freak right? you out? That's crazy. <laughs> hey, that, that's, they, I, and I thought about that. I thought it was like 87 is even better, I guess, uh, for being freaky. Yeah. But I, we will. We are going to be going to Angola, Jim and I, uh, um, and doing a, a tour. And we will certainly post I'm sure, I'm sure there's some on the internet. But we'll post pictures of Gruesome Gardy. Yes, and and uh, just uh, uh, you know whether you agree with death penalty, not whether you agree with executions or not, it it is a huge part of Angola history. Yep. In particular, I was shocked at the amount of people that did not realize that prior to it being housed in Angola full time. It would actually travel. It was drive-up service. It was drive-up service. Look, they brought it to you. <laughs> Bring it directly to you, man. Yeah, and 87 people uh, overall being executed in it um, before they switched to lethal injection. And some pretty famous people here. I know the the Dead Man Walking was yeah. a, was a huge yeah. movie uh, based off of someone in Angola. So a lot has taken place in in that particular chair, Gruesome Gertie. Of course, named Gruesome Gertie for the uh, the method of execution yeah. that was used. Yeah, it I was mean, you know gruesome. Like, look, when you when you execute somebody, I mean their head's going to smoke. They're you know they've had stories of electricity <clears throat> shooting out their fingertips, uh, oh, wow. sparks, and they, of course the burnt flesh. I mean, it's not a good way to go, right? And let's talk about that for a second, Woody. With executions uh you know and it's no different with lethal injection now but the electric chair there's an execution room does family go to that kind of tell us tell us the so, uh the process now the day the process is the victim's family gets to have ex more well, pretty much whoever they want but not distant cousins or whatever um the the closest family members to them sit on one side and then the condemned the person being executed is allowed X amount of family members and a, a religious person if they so choose. Then there is also at least two members of the media who are drawn by lottery to get to get the witness to execution. Yeah, uh, um, and they bring them in, and, and you know, they, they the warden has to read the death uh, warrant. That's what it's called. That state of Louisiana hereby condemns you. To execution by whatever means for the murder of da 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 da. You have any last words? A lot of them say "fuck you" or they don't say anything at all. You know, um, of course the, the phones are on the wall in case the governor calls in the last second to give a reprieve. Yeah, and uh, the governor is the only one that can give right. a reprieve that, on that, and that yeah. phone is actually red. Yeah, that's right. They. They don't get there, y'all. That's why it takes so long to kill somebody now, not to kill them, but to execute people now. Now it's our attorney general and our governor fighting over the legality of the drugs being purchased and who can't purchase it. So everybody's sitting up there for 18, 20-plus years. Um, they have that long, lengthy appeals process. And ultimately, after all those appeals are exhausting, every court, all the way to the Supreme Court, if they decide to hear it, then – the parole board it, it has it here in order, and they make the recommendation recommendation to the governor, and the governor ultimately makes that final decision. So when they, you know, when all this is taking place, and they've worked through all the appeals process, and everything's been exhausted, and hey, 
you're going to ride the lightning regardless. Um, you have what's called like a last meal. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell us, tell us about that. We and we're going to do a whole series on these, but they okay. So they they take them from death row to what they call the uh, death watch house. It's a totally different area. They they put you in there a couple of days ahead of time, and you sell by yourself. And guess what? You have a a correctional officer that sits right there in front of your cell the whole time. The, your last hours, the last couple of days, last hours just to make sure you don't kill yourself for state of Louisiana gets a chance to kill you. Yeah. And and then the, the condemned gets a last meal uh, where they request pretty much anything they want to. And I, it's so interesting. And I, I want to do a whole series on one day of the different shit people request for a last meal. Uh, um, but that last day they'll get to have um, family member visits, their, their clerical or clergy visit, or whatever, and they prepare them. But during that time, they also the last day they have the strap down team that practices on them, and they'll practice with a uh, another guard who's a, the same approximate size and weight as this inmate first, and they'll go in and look. It's it's like surgery, baby. They, everybody's got a limb to grab in case you buck up when you're taking that last few steps into the death chamber. So the death watch cells is that close to yeah. the chamber. So basically, you got to. Walk past that bitch to sit there for your, your final however many hours, get your last meal, you get your last couple of visits, and they come back and they say, it's time. And then they don't play. They come in as, as a, you know, it's a team, the tie-down team or whatever they call them. Uh, everybody has a specific limb or a specific job to do. They get them in there. They strap them down. Now, the curtains are closed. The people can't see that when that's going on. The curtains are closed. They strap them down. They'll run the IV. Then the the, the chair, well, the table now sits up, at, um, and the, view it through the glass. And that's when they read the death warrant and say, "Do you have any final words?" And you know whatever they say or don't say, then they lay it down and they push the buttons. That's and, it. And Gertie was the same thing. Oh, you Except know what's crazy about Gertie? Most of the times they had the electricity more than one time, like once, twice, three times. So they hit them for however long until they say stop. And they stop. They'd be smoking and shit. And, oh my uh, gosh. Uh, and they hit them again. But most of the time they was probably dead from the first and Joel. Yeah. But they hit them up to like. They want to make sure he's dead. Up to like three times. Then they'll come in and test them, you know, for heartbeat and whatever. And they pronounce them dead. Yeah, so the execution room itself, not very big, not what you would you would imagine. It would just be this because it's such a big, I guess, event. You would imagine it to be bigger than what it was. My wife has actually seen it, yeah, uh, and well, she was shocked at how small yep. the area is that the like the family sits right. in and the witnesses. Right. Uh, as Woody said, there's a curtain. That curtain opens once that inmate is strapped down in Gruesome Gertie's case, and they ask, "Do you have any last words?" And yeah. yes, and no, we, whatever. We got some episodes just to do on last words and last meals because yeah. I mean, you wouldn't believe some of the shit people say uh, or what they want to eat. And Jim and I are Shocking. going to go in there. Uh, 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 we're gonna. I'm gonna get Jim to sit. In Grissom Garden. Oh, <laughs> you do that? I'll do oh, it. Yeah, but then I also want, I want to see us to see 
the death cell, the death chamber, and the the uh, room where people get to watch it. Yeah, so we'll definitely put something out for the chase team after after that event, right. and uh, and let y'all let y'all check that out. But what a history with gruesome guarding, and Woody, what is the holdup now with? Uh, obviously, capital punishment is still a thing, but yep. it's on hiatus. It's not, I guess you it, could it's say on, it's on hiatus because our, our attorney general wants to proceed with the executions, and our governor is like, Mm-mm, "I'm not buying. I'm not signing all for this uh, lethal cocktail to be purchased." And then there's some people saying that doctors won't order it because it goes against the Hippocratic Oath because they know it's going to be used to kill somebody. But literally, our governor and our attorney general are in a pissing contest. The governor doesn't want the executions. The attorney general does. Landry doesn't want them. Um, Landry does want them. Well, Landry, yeah, yeah, Landry wants them, and, and what uh, uh, Edwards, Edwards doesn't. Yeah. So, But it's coming. Edwards ain't always going to be in office, and you better believe – Louisiana per capita killed more people than that killed, executed more people than anyone. Right. The Texas lines them up a couple of, a couple of night. Yeah, right? Texas don't uh, play. Uh, but in our day, we led per capita in executions. So that is the story of Gruesome Gertie. Uh, we hope y'all enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I loved it. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, we hope y'all enjoyed it, and, and, and we appreciate and love each and every one of y'all. Thank you, Chase Team members. Yeah, so, Chase Team members, we love y'all. If you're not a Chase Team member, you know, Chase Team members get commercial-free early releases. They get locked-up bonus episodes like we did one today on, on prison terms, which is fire, by the way. But we get this sort we want to take a moment to get, acknowledge, uh, like we have in past episodes, each Chase Team member or each new Chase Team member. Jim? Yeah, so uh, we're going to go fast through these because we have quite a few to get through. But we want to definitely thank each and every one of you. We love you to death. Uh, So, Francine Fitting, thank you very much for being a Chase Team member. All right, Dalton Voss, thank you very much for being a Chase Team member. We appreciate you. Shannon Sharpton, thank you very much. Christy Smith, thank you. We appreciate you. Brandy Lacombe, thank you very much. Yes, indeed. Kelly Hawkins, thank you so much. Jackie Savoy, thank you for being a Chase Team member. Yep. And Holly Blackburn, thank you. We appreciate you. Alexis DeLatte, thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. Yes, indeed. And Miss Kayla Lee, dear friend of mine, I arrested her on her birthday. Not really, y'all. I just <laughs> uh, went in and read her her rights. I did put her cuffs on her day. That was her husband's request and a friend's request. <laughs> Kayla Lee, thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> yes. Um, Susan Laborde Pert. Oh, wait. She's always around, right? Thank she's you. awesome. Love Brooke, her. Brooke Beach, thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. Michelle Pierce, thank you so much. Alice Fontenot, thank you so much for being a Chase Team. Kim Bazette, thank you for being a Chase Team member. Yes, and Elizabeth Elizabeth Gaza, thank you, Elizabeth. We appreciate you. Terry Underwood, thank you. Yes, and Kylie Messer, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Kelly McGee Hess, thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. Yes, Kyla Randazzo. Thank you for being Chase Team. Yes, and Miss Kyla, they own Randazzo's right here in Denham Springs. So we're going right? to give them a yes, they do. And Miss Kyla and her husband are just great people. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Nikki Sutton, thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. 
Tisha Dubrock, thank you for being Chase Team. Haley Jones, always around Haley yep, Jones. Definitely. She she loves our stuff, comments on it constantly, and we love you to death. Thank you. Absolutely. Hannah Reynolds, thank you so much for being Chase Team. Emily Sal- Salimi, thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. Dara Blank, thank you. We appreciate you. Jody uh, Perry. I'm going to jack up your last name, Miss Jody. I'm going to spell it. Jody, P-E-R-E-Y-D-A. Forgive me, but tell me how to pronounce that. Write it out in the comments. But thank you so much for being a Chase Team member. Yep, thank you. And Danielle Ponsetti, thank you so much for being Chase Team. My Moo Wama, thank wow. you for what being a Chase Team member. Right. Evan Jackson, thank you for being Chase Team. Sharon Welch, thank you for being a Chase Team member. And Miss Catherine Ford, thank you for being Chase Team. Olivia Brooks, thank you for being a Chase Team member. And Dana Boyer, thank you so much. Stacy O'Brien, good little uh, Irish name there. Thank you for being a Chase Team member. Diane Beeson, thanks for being a Chase Team member. Joseph, and I don't have your last name, but thank you. You know who you are. Appreciate you, brother. Yep. Leslie, love it. Thank you for being Chase Team. Brandon Nations, thank you for being a Chase Team member. Yes, and Leah Flurry, thank you for being a Chase Team member. Ashley Arnold, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yes, and Miss Pamela Gilchrist, always around. Thank you, Miss yes. Pamela, for being a Chase Team. Tim Kaiser, love to see these guys I join the too, Chase right? Team, man. Shout out, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Yeah, and so, y'all, we just want to take this moment and give you a shout out, and we appreciate and love each and every one of you. You're making this show run. The more Chase Team members we get, the more content we get to put up, and the better episodes we can bring you. We appreciate all of you. And uh, if you need information on being a Chase Team member, look, we've got a link tree that we just did. You can go to that link tree. It's got it on there. You can go to Patreon and just in the search box, type in Bloody Angola. Angola. And it'll bring you right to it. Uh, we release some pretty unique things on there. We even upload files from time to time on, on different things. So check out the chase team. If you're not already member bonus episodes, early release, commercial free, commercial free. That's a big thing. And, uh, before we get out of here today, Woody commercials, let's talk about that real quick. Right. Um, go ahead. So y'all, when we started bloody Angola, the, um, before you can get national commercials, you have to have so many thousands of listeners. And we didn't have that. But Jim and I started uh, at zero. Uh, it, it, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Obviously at zero, but the almost as a lark because we love the prison system and your story. And, and we knew this would be good stories. We had no idea we'd have such success, but we sold the commercials locally and pretty much loaded up the episodes uh, for a lack of a better term. And we get that, that um, a lot of you, you know, thought that was way too much and all that. And, and so, yeah, we definitely uh, apologize if we, if we did anything other than make the listening experience great for you. And so in the future, certainly we're going to have commercials, but it won't be maybe to the extent. Yeah. You won't be overloaded like it was. Uh, we're on a whole new level now. Thanks to our success. Thank you to each and every one of you listeners. And, hey, if you can't be a Chase Team member, we get it. We love you just totally. as much. 
Uh, um, but we appreciate y'all. We, you're going to have a better listening experience going forward from the commercial standpoint. Hey, and if you don't like the commercials, you can always join chasing. That's right. That's right. So until next time, I'm Jim Chapman and I'm Woody Overton. We're your host of bloody and Gola, a podcast, 142 years in the making the story of America's bloodiest prison. Peace. <laughs> Excellent. I walk a straight line, shackled and chained. Oh, gruesome Gertie is calling my name. There is no mercy in this penitentiary. Just ask the Hill String Gang, Rango. remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to or during any question. If you can't afford one, the court will appoint one for you. Do you understand your rights? And the wolf is at your door. You're running so Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.